Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of College Football Pod Talk. This is your co-host, Easton. And Josh. And we just wanted to remind you, if you guys would like to communicate with us, hit us up at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com and on Twitter, Josh. We got that CFB Pod Talk. Hit us up. You know, make fun of Easton. Make fun of myself. We love to hear from y'all. Or give them give us excellent criticism, um, but yeah, another exciting week of college football. Josh, what'd you think about it? Man, I'm I'm excited. This was a great week of football. It, let's let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about some transfer quarterbacks. I got to add a new one to our list. All right, Josh Jackson from Maryland transferred for out of Virginia Tech. He had himself a game. Maryland has had two great games, scoring a ton of points. Yeah, I wouldn't hype them up too much, but I would put them on the radar. They've been putting up, you know, about 60-plus the first two games. So they are definitely a team you should look out for. And uh, Josh Jackson, the quarterback leading this team. And uh, what about the rest of these quarterbacks? Man, Hurts, I think Hurts is still leading the transfer group. Uh, what about yourself? I think I think Hurts is probably one of the front runners for the Heisman. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think he's the most complete quarterback coming from two national championships on an, on an Alabama team. Uh, yeah, I think he's the most complete player. And, you know, with that offense they have at Oklahoma, he fits right in and it's set for him to be successful. And he has been successful there. Also, with the uh, transfer quarterbacks, we also had uh, Jacob Eason, who didn't have such a phenomenal game. Uh, we'll go in more in detail a little bit later, but not the best game from him. And then our last guy was Kelly Brown. Right. Yeah, Kelly Bryant turned turned it around. They got the victory. We'll go into that. But he had himself a game, and Fields once again is showing out uh, like he does. Yeah, Oklahoma or excuse me, Ohio State. Let's let's just jump straight into the uh, reviews. Our first game we're going to talk about is Clemson's te- Texas A and M. You know, and Clemson just did what Clemson does. They win. They got twenty four. They got the twenty four to ten victory over Texas A and M. It's not just the offense for Clemson, but it's the defense, too. The defense made Texas A&M look uncomfortable all game. Kelly Munn couldn't get it going. You know, it's just Clemson just – there's – I don't know how to describe it. They just play football. Yeah, Clemson, the number one ranked team in the nation, playing a 12th ranked Texas A&M. Uh, Kellen Munn, like you said before, he, he looked rough. Uh, he overthrew a lot of his receivers that were wide open and could have started some good momentum for Texas A&M uh, at Clemson, but it just didn't seem like they can get it clicking, and uh, Kellen Munn just wasn't the leader that they needed to get the win versus a, a well-stout Clemson team. Trevor Lawrence had a pretty decent game going 24 for 35, 268 yards and a touchdown. He did throw an interception, though. And it was pretty interesting, Etienne wasn't even the leading rusher. It was actually Lynn J. Dixon. He had 11 carries for 79 yards. Ross and Higgins combined for 170 yards total. But yeah, it just wasn't a good game for Texas A&M, a game they needed to play well. And uh, Clemson's only big competition this whole season. So it looks like they should be going undefeated until the playoffs. Well, and that's that's I got a question for you about that. It's Will Clemson, who's going to beat them? Or, or is it just going to be players leaving for the NFL that makes Clemson change as a team. Clemson has looked so dominant the past two years, even longer than that because they've been playing Bama in the national championship for a while. But, I mean, it's Clemson and Bama. Who's going to beat those two? Well, yeah, definitely. Clemson's a well-rounded team. You know, everywhere they're stout. They're running backs, they're wide receivers, they're quarterbacks. So when they recruit, they're recruiting – 
players that they can see that their position is a dominating position and they have a chance to be a dominant player at a dominating school. You know, so same thing with Bama, where they're a well-rounded team where they don't just have that one dominating position to where they take over. So I think those are the top two teams just because they're, they're dominating all around. Well, moving on to the next game, we had number nine Texas and number six LSU. This was a game. This this was the game. You know, Matthew McConaughey was there. It was game day was there. It, everybody showed up for this game. It was incredible. The the two quarterbacks were played out of their mind. Uh, LSU got the victory, forty five to thirty eight. Joe Burrow and Sam Ellinger were slinging the ball all over the field as both threw for over four hundred yards. Uh, Joe Burrow had 471 and four TDs, and Sam had 401 yards with four TDs. Uh, you know, just incredible how how these quarterbacks dominated this game, which both these teams were talking about DBU before the game. Yeah, it was it, that is funny that you brought that up because yeah, both quarterbacks threw for over 400 yards, but both were stating that they were the DBU of the country. But yeah, they both balled out, and they had good company all around that LSU offense looks completely different they're so we're so used to that eye formation run it down your throat you know run that play action throw it down the field now now they're not even using tight ends they're going four wide five wide and actually getting good plays out there it's pretty interesting to see but they did get some NFL help uh, with their offense coordinator best well there I mean this was a crazy game there's three points scored in the first quarter and then in the fourth quarter is a combined 39 points wow. scored. Yeah. I, I mean, the scoring is outrageous. You thought the game was going to be a slow defensive game, and then it just blew up. Yeah, both teams had support at wideout. Justin Jefferson of LSU had nine receptions for 163 yards, three touchdowns. Jamar Chase for LSU had eight receptions, 147 yards. And on the other side for Texas... Devin DuVernay had 12 receptions, 154 yards, two touchdowns, and then Brennan Eagles had five receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. So they were slinging that ball, and those receivers came to play. So it was a very competitive game, but, you know, LSU held out. I really thought Texas was going to take over because they looked like the more complete team last year, but LSU looks like a whole different squad, so I think you should watch out for them. I could see them being a top-ranked team in, at the end of the season. This LSU offense looks like they want to play Bama. Yeah, could, could score with Bama. We'll see if that happens, but that's what it looked like in this week. I just got a question for you, though. What's up? Which which one of these teams is DBU? Oh, neither from that game. But uh, after that, I think you know, I I think LSU has better defensive backs overall. But I'd, I'd call them DBU over Texas. Uh, moving on, we had number 23 Stanford going down to the Coliseum playing USC. Now, this was what we said last week was the battle of the backups. And uh, did the backups show out? USC's backup actually showed out. Freshman Keaton Slovis had quite the debut beating ranked Stanford 45-20. to Slovis went 28 for 33, 377 yards and three touchdowns. Graham Harrell air raid offense. And Graham Harrell actually played under uh, Mike Leach at Texas Tech and was the offense coordinator at Washington State for a little bit. But the offense looked really smooth. USC's wide receivers St. Brown and Vaughn both snagged a touchdown from Slovis, which made his job much easier having experienced wide receiver core. Backup David Mills of Stanford didn't have too bad of a game, going 22 for 36, uh, one touchdown and one interception. But yeah, it was a really good game overall for USC. 
they look like they haven't missed a beat without JT Daniels. And this backup Slovis was actually a big competition against JT Daniels in fall ball. So uh, they said it was a lot closer than most people expected, but he looks like a real stud. When we kind of talked about Clay Holt, uh, you know, having issues, especially losing your quarterback, being on the hot seat, and he is on a real hot seat. Most definitely. Um, we need he needs to win, and then you you like oh man, you just lost your starting quarterback. You're it's about to take a turn for the worse, and then this freshman comes in and balls out. Definitely, it's, I mean it's crazy how this freshman and he was so poised. Yeah, he may be saving Helton's job in the long run. I we'll mean, see. <laughs> 28, 28 a thirty three. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's interesting where some of these kids they come in and you know piss the bed, and then you got guys like this who come in and they they're ready to play. So. We'll see how he does moving forward in USC, but they got experience, so they can be a good squad moving forward. So let's just jump over to uh, Ohio State-Cincinnati. You know, not much of a game. Ohio State just rolled Cincinnati up and spit them out. 42-0. to Justin Fields, you know, once again tore it up. Four total TDs, two passing, two rushing, and finished the game with 224 passing yards. Don't get it wrong, it's not just Fields. J.K. Dobbins also showed up. 17 carries, 141 yards, and two TDs. Wow. It's just incredible what that Ohio State offense is doing. Yeah, number five Ohio State. We're expecting Cincinnati to show up from the game they played last week, but it was not the game we expected from Cincinnati. As Ohio State just steamrolled them, and it wasn't even much of a competition. Yeah, what do you think about the Ohio State D? They played great, too, in this game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They showed a different, I'm sure their coaches laid into them about last week's game, so I think they kind of kicked it up a notch, and they definitely showed a whole different mentality versus the Cincinnati team, who looked pretty polished, but didn't didn't put up any points versus well, the Ohio State team. You know, in past years, it's been the, the defense that's had lapses that, you know, makes it so Ohio State doesn't play in the national, or get into the playoff. Yeah, true. So... You know, if their defense plays good, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Moving forward, we got Vandy and uh, Purdue. Tell me a little bit about that. Purdue and Vandy, this is a tight game in the first half as Purdue had a 14-10 to 10 lead. But the second half, Purdue opened opened up the scoring. Uh, 28 points to get the 42-24 to 24 victory over at Vanderbilt. Purdue was unstoppable. As uh, Elijah Seidler, the quarterback, had 509 yards, 5 TDs, and 1 rushing TD. Um, he did throw one interception, but our boy, Rondell Moore, tore it up as well. 13 receptions, 220 yards, and one TD. Wow. Uh, you know, head coach Jeff Brom has Purdue just ready to play, especially after that week one loss. He, you know, turned it around and had them ready. No, he's a stud of a coach, but how much longer do you think he's going to stay at Purdue? Well, you know, he did turn down an offer this past summer, but, you know, I the way he gets this team going and the way this team scores, you have to think bigger and better schools are going to be coming after him all the time. Yeah, definitely. He's probably looking for that right job. Moving forward, we had number uh, number fourteen Washington hosting Cal. Uh, so this game was pretty interesting. So the game was supposed to be at 7.30 kickoff, but after a two-and-a-half-hour severe storm delay, the Huskies hosted the Cal Bears at 10.30 p.m. Pacific time, as if the Pac-12 games weren't already late. 
but the Huskies were already, uh, excuse me, the Huskies were ready to get some payback as they lost to Cal last year. The only touchdown the Cal Bears scored last year was a defensive touchdown, uh, but still got the win against the Huskies last year. But anyways, the Huskies took a 19-17 lead late in the fourth quarter with just two minutes to go in a near-empty stadium. Cal QB Chase Garbers drove the Bears down the field and capped off with a 17-yard field goal with eight seconds left and gave the Bears a one-point lead and ultimately given them the game 20-19. Eason didn't have a great game in the second game for the Huskies, going 18 for 30, 160 yards, uh, excuse me, 162 yards and one interception. The only touchdown came from Ahmed as the Huskies had a hard time finding the end zone and relying on their kicker for four field goals. This wasn't the Husky team that I expected to play. Um, but yeah, it was just an interesting game for the Huskies, but uh, they ended up losing. They actually gave up 200, almost 200 yards on the ground, the most since the Fiesta Bowl versus Penn State, where some guy named uh, Sa- Saquon Barkley rushed for 203 yards. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, man. not even worried about him. But anyways, that Evan Weaver guy who talked all that smack for Cal, the linebacker, he had a... 18 tackles and a, and, and a forced fumble. Ooh. So, yeah, he, he talked that mess and backed it up. I was really surprised the Huskies lost. Uh, Jacob Beeson, like I said, he didn't play very well. 18 for 30, 162 yards and an interception. Should the Huskies be worried? Uh... I don't know yet. You know, Cal's not a bad team. They do have Justin Wilcox. He was a uh, defense coordinator for the Huskies for a few years. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's... I don't know. They The Huskies lost to Cal last year, and they ended up having a pretty decent season. So, um, I don't know. It's still too early to, to know. It is early in the season. We will find out more about this Washington team, but they definitely need to turn it around again after losing to Cal. Uh, let's just jump straight into that Colorado-Nebraska game. Um, I'm pretty sure you called this upset. Yeah, sure did. Don't I, I don't believe the Frost hype. He just wasn't cutting it. This didn't look like a game at all as the Nebraska Cornhuskers actually took a 17-0 lead into the halftime in Boulder. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nebraska was winning at half 17-0 and lost this game? That that is correct. Frost, close it out, bud. Close it out. 17-0 at half in Boulder. So first-year head coach Mel Tucker must have given the speech of a lifetime because the Buffaloes came back in OT to beat the number 25 Nebraska Cornhuskers 34-31. Scott Frost is now 0-6 on the road. In this wild game, Colorado scored their longest touchdown in school history with a 96-yard backyard flea flicker from Montez to Katie Nixon. Colorado scored 34 points in the second half and in OT, including 24 points in the fourth quarter. Nebraska didn't have a kicker for undisclosed reasons, but no reason Nebraska should have lost a 17-point lead and lose big in this rivalry game. How much more do you think Frost got on this leash? Oh, this leash is never-ending. Yeah. The Frost hype, I understand it. He deserves it. He's turned a lot of programs around I'm assuming he's going to turn this program around. It's, but it's got to be hard to recruit to Nebraska, right? Yeah, it's it's cold there. Uh, their quarterback actually played pretty decent. Adrian Martinez went 16 for 26, 290 yards and four touchdowns, two rushing and two uh, uh, in the air. He did throw one interception. Steven Montez, the quarterback for Colorado, went 28 for 41, 375 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. 
but yeah, Colorado is a big win for the Pac-12, even though it is Nebraska and they're ranked for no reason, number 25. They won't be ranked anymore, but yeah, it was just a good game for the Pac-12, and uh, we need to keep getting these wins and uh, versus these other Power 5 conferences. I agree. Uh, Pac-12 definitely needs to step it up. But let's just jump back into the SEC where we had Missouri and West Virginia. You know, not much of a game. Missouri jumped out to a 31-0 lead at, um, at halftime. You know, 31-0, kind of ridiculous. Both teams scored one touchdown on the board uh, in the fourth quarter, and that was pretty much this, all the scoring in the second half. You know, Missouri made it look easy in the first half. Kelly Bryant into the game, 17 to 25, 150 yards and three TDs. And, you know, they're just scoring all over the place in the first half. Yeah, Kelly Bryant looks smooth. You know, he did throw some pretty bad passes a few times, but, you know, I think he looks smooth playing in the SEC, and I think he'll do well moving forward, and Missouri seems like a good fit for him. Moving on, let's go back to the Pac 12. Oregon State went all the way to beautiful Hawaii to take an L. Hawaii is now 2-0 versus the Pac-12 as they beat Oregon State at home 31-28. Hawaii actually never led until the game-winning field goal by Ryan Meskel, who actually missed the first three and then made the game-winning field goal. So yeah, Hawaii is now 2-0 versus Oregon, or excuse me, Pac-12. Cole McDonald went 30 for 52, 421 yards, four touchdowns, and one pick. Their wide receiver, JoJo Ward, 10 receptions, 189 yards, and four touchdowns. Four touchdowns! Is is Hawaii going to have some better records in the Pac-12 over some Pac-12 teams? Say yeah. Oregon State? Uh, yeah, they may have more Pac-12 wins than some of these <laughs> Pac-12 teams. Uh, yeah, Hawaii, they're, they throw a lot. So if you ain't got a good secondary, you're probably not going to survive this game. But for... For Oregon State to have the lead the whole game and not maintain and finish the game is 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 embarrassing, you know. And uh, you know, Oregon State, I'm not, I don't have high expectations for them, but they are also a Pac-12 team and need to represent. So it's just very frustrating, you know. But anyways, Oregon State, it's got to step it up. Big surprise game we have on the board was uh, North Carolina getting a W versus Miami. Now, this one was very surprising. Let's go, Mac Brown. Mac Brown has given North Carolina confidence these past two games, and it shows as North Carolina beats Miami 28-25. It came down to actually the final drive from Sam Howell, which included converting on a 4th and 17 to keep the drive going. After scoring a late touchdown in the game, the Tar Heels went for two to give them a 28-25 lead. Miami actually had a chance to tie it with a 49-yard field goal, but it went wide left, and Miami gave their second, got their second loss and now are 0-2 under Manny Diaz. Uh, was this the game Miami should have won? I believe so, and you know Manny Diaz. I feel bad for him because he's played two in two very competitive games, but he hasn't got the win. Yeah, you know, the, the freshman quarterback has played two phenomenal games. You yeah, know, Jaron Williams, thirty of thirty-nine, three hundred nine yards, two TDs from a freshman. That's and he did that against Florida too, when he's under all that distress against Florida and had, you know, Miami has played two. Two great games. They just can't get the W. Yeah, and that's frustrating, you know, especially they got a pretty young team. So when they start losing, you got to keep their confidence to tell them that they are still competing in these games. It's not like they're getting blown out, you know, but 
a loss is a loss. So these kids, are they going to take it on the chin and keep it pushing? Or are they going to let it affect their emotions and affect the rest of their season? Because they, they have the potential to be a very good team. It's just a matter of putting it all together for first-year head coach Manny Diaz. It's just incredible that you know Miami can't do it. You, you figure Miami had the playmakers. They were projected to do great in the ACC. Yeah. And now they're 0-2 on the season. You know who else can't do it? UCLA. UCLA actually took a loss again versus San Diego State. This is the first win for San Diego State versus UCLA in school history after going 0-21 in the previous meetings. San Diego State used their strengths in time of possession and used ball control to get the W. Chip Kelly is now 0-5 versus non-conference games in non-conference games. Four of these teams are actually in the group of five teams. That's that's pretty embarrassing for Chip Kelly. Where's this where's this powerful explosive offense? It's two weeks in a row he's put up fourteen. Man, Chip Kelly needs to figure it out. He needs to figure it out quick. You know, and it's got a tough matchup next week. It's not gonna get any easier for him moving forward. He just they need to figure it out. He needs to change some things up. Yeah, uh, the San Diego State quarterback, Ryan Agnew, played a stellar game going 23 for 31, 293 yards and a touchdown. And their wide receiver, Kobe Smith, seven receptions, 131 yards and a touchdown. But yeah, UCLA got to get it together sooner than later because Pac-12 and at UCLA, they don't they don't give people much time to relax. You know, it's not one of those times that they're, they're not a patient program, so they need to either figure it out or, you know, find a new coach or a new system or something. Either way, something needs to be fixed at UCLA. So let's jump over to Tennessee and BYU, you know. <laughs> Speaking just, of another bad game. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. You know, Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, just made big plays at the end of regulation to, to set up a tie, game-tying field goal. Yeah, Scott Pruitt just couldn't do it. Zach Wilson was the guy, and it was just it was an excellent game by BYU. All this all this time, I'm thinking Tennessee has the game came to overtime, but BYU stepped up in the big moments and beat Tennessee in the second overtime, 29 to 26. This is actually the first time Tennessee has gone 0 and 2 since 1988. Tennessee looked like they were going to win the, get the the whole game, showing strengths on both sides of the ball. But BYU, BYU showed perseverance and overcame the 13-3 halftime deficit. Well, I mean, you just figure Jeremy Pruitt has got to step it up and get this team playing right. Yeah, there was a few actual fourth downs that Tennessee went for, but they just couldn't convert, and BYU showed strengths on their defense. It was it was surprising to see this SEC team fall to a BYU. And, you know, Tennessee fans are uh, upset, you know, as they should be, because you lose to Georgia State, which that is terrible. At least BYU's, say, more a com- more competitive team, but BYU shouldn't come into Tennessee and win this game. Well, with the lack of patience from these Tennessee fans, how much longer do you think they're going to give uh, until they give up on Jeremy Pruitt? Uh, a day. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so you're saying the, the Tennessee fans are already fed up? Come Monday, you know, the defensive coordinator has the job, the offensive coordinator. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's around the corner. He's got to feel a little bit of pressure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I feel it, man. It's It doesn't look good for Tennessee, especially if you're being in the SEC. You don't want to be the bottom of the barrel. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and they still they have playmakers and talent. They just got to put it together and play play some football. Definitely. 
How'd your Cougs do? Well, number 22, Cougs, hosted Northern Colorado in a game where Air Gordon had another big game going for another 400-yard passing as the Cougs beat Northern Colorado 59-17. to All the scoring wasn't in the air as Max Borgie had a total of three touchdowns, two rushing and one reception. Uh... It was nice to have a run game to throw off the opponents. It was, you know, something we haven't seen in a long time. We actually looked pretty even. Uh, our wide receiver, Brandon Arcianago, had a career night catching eight balls for 127 yards and a touchdown. On the other side, uh, Northern Colorado made most of their yardage on the ground as Milo Hall rushed for 113 yards and a touchdown versus our Cougs. Um, even though we had plenty of good rushing game, the Cougs defense forced five turnovers, which only propelled more momentum as the Cougars favor in the Cougars favor. It's hard to judge just how good the Cougs are because of the lack of competition. We've had these first two games, but that should change as my Cougs go down to Texas to play another Coug in the Houston Cougars. It should be our first real test. So it should be pretty interesting to see, but also a good game for my Cougs. Sorry. I mean, you guys... You guys, this is the system, the air raid system. You guys putting up a whole lot of yards, a whole lot of, you know, think, what happens when things go wrong? Do you think, is Gordon going to be able to right the ship like Minshew did last year when things went wrong? I think so, and I think we're more even keel uh, between passing and rushing also because, you know, when you got a, a, rush, a running back like Max Borgie, he had seven receptions for 34 yards and two touchdowns. Or excuse me, seven carries, 34 yards, two touchdowns. And then we had a transfer from Notre Dame uh, come to Wazoo. His name's Dion McIntosh. He actually got in the game four carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but that alone just tells you some stats on our running backs that shows that, you know, we have some variety. And so if that, you know, if the pass breaks down or if, you know, we can't get passes off, we still got a run game that we can rely on. So I'm, I'm confident in my Cougs, but like I said, we haven't had a real test these first two games. So it should be interesting to see when we play the Houston uh, Cougars uh, this Friday. So Ooh, Friday Night Friday. Lights, baby. Uh, make sure you tune in and watch that game. Uh, so how about your old Ole Miss, old, Ole Miss Rebels? You guys get the W this week or what? Well, ladies and gentlemen, put one in the win column. Hey, let's go. There we go. Uh, you know, Ole Miss, the quarterback, Matt Carroll, uh, 16 to 24, 246 yards, two TDs and senior running back, Scotty Phillips, 26 carries, 143 yards, two TDs. You know, what I was excited to see is the nasty wideouts still showed up. Elijah Moore, my 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 one of my favorite wide receivers at Ole Miss, seven receptions, 130 yards, and two TDs. Ball. You know, I was very impressed. We got young guys, our young running backs. We got them involved. Uh, Snoop, uh, Ely, got those those guys involved in, in the run game. I'm just excited to see the way we played. The O line played uh, way better today than we did against Memphis and the defense my defense is looking like we're almost got our swag back you know and then we can proudly call ourselves the land shark defense again if we can get that that swag fully back yeah definitely I'm happy for you guys man and it's a good win 31-17 you know it wasn't that nail biter you always got you guys tend to have uh but yeah you guys look comfortable you guys look good all around i think it's something to look forward to and uh you know you guys can only go up you know what i'm saying so you you guys look good i'm not sold on Ole miss but you know i'm glad we got the w yeah you know anytime you get a w maybe it'll help you get some more w's especially early in the season you know you want to start off 
getting some wins early on so you can gain some confidence for well, the, you and your team. The good part about beating Arkansas, it just shows that we're not going to be the bottom of the barrel in the SEC yeah. West. <laughs> exactly. You know, you... We might be right and a good above. Win, you know, we might be right above <laughs> the bottom of the barrel, but we're not the bottom of the. Barrel. We're floating in the barrel. <laughs> uh, so some surprise games we had over this over this weekend: Michigan twenty four, Army twenty one, and a two OT game. Michigan just barely squeaked it out. That Michigan offense doesn't look that great. No, uh, offense is not clicking. It took two a double overtime field goal to beat army which i mean army played oklahoma tough last year and army obviously has a team but you'd expect michigan a number seven michigan to come in there and kind of put points on the board and play football especially when you know what army is going to do army is not one of those teams that are going to tricky much they run that wing t you know they got three well if you count the quarterback four running backs you know and if you key your players, you know, you should you should stop that offense. It shouldn't be too difficult and a team, especially when you're ranked number 7 in the nation, a team like Michigan should be able to stop an army team and it shouldn't have been that close. But Michigan should really step it up. I had a lot of faith in Harbaugh, but he's really disappointed me and your boy Shea Patterson from Old Miss transfer uh, to Michigan. Uh, Shea, he's not looking too good. Shea Patterson better step it up or else he's going to be on the bench. Yeah, I could see him losing his job soon. Well, and it's funny because he has all this hype. He had all this hype when he went to Ole Miss. He had mm-hmm. all this hype when he transferred to Michigan. You need production to have the hype continue. Yeah, And definitely. he just doesn't seem to have any production. Yeah, and which, they have he has help around him too. So. Which they still – I mean, he had a, a, you know, a great year by numbers last year, but at some point you need to have great numbers and great games. Yeah, you got to get over that hump, especially having the experience that he does. Another big game that was actually really surprising and we hyped up early on in the season was – Number 21, Syracuse, lost to Maryland. Excuse me, got blown out by Maryland, 63-20. to This was not the game we expected from Syracuse at all, or Maryland. So keep Maryland on your radars. Well, this Maryland team has been putting points on the board this season. Game 1, 79 points. Game 2, 63 points. That's why, you know, this Josh Jackson, uh, the transfer from Virginia Tech he has this team playing Maryland could maybe make some waves in the Big Ten yeah that like we said that's a team you shouldn't sleep on that's that's the team if you're putting up points their offense obviously they got their offense going and they know what they're doing they play well and the offense is usually the slowest thing to get going early on in the season Uh, another game surprise game is Florida State 45 Louisiana Monroe 44 and an overteam victory overtime victory you know, Florida State needed overtime to beat Louisiana Louisiana Monroe. And and not only OT, they needed a record-breaking day from Cam Cam Akers, their running back. 36 carries, 193 yards, and two TDs to get the win. Willie Taggart, man. Yeah, like like we said before, he, he he came into some talent on the team. I'm sure there was some dysfunction with, you know, Jimbo Fisher leaving, you know, last minute leaving them kind of hanging, and I'm sure there were some disgruntled players, but also at the same time, you still got a lot of talent, and you shouldn't be still competing versus these lower-tier teams that you should be blowing out, or at least, you know, not making it a one-point game. 
and having to go to OT against that, like you are Florida State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are Florida State. Can you, you imagine what Deion Sanders and these guys are thinking? Like, <laughs> Deion Sanders is closing his eyes every time they play. Oh yeah, He's, I, he doesn't even want to watch. He's yeah. taking naps. It's it's not. It doesn't look good for Florida State Seminoles, and they need to change it. The state of Florida between Miami. And, uh, well, Florida got to hold it down because between Miami and... Uh, ho, ho, UCF. Oh, UCF. Let's put them on the map. Never mind. UCF is going to be the UC- team that holds it down. UCF and Florida. Yeah. Holding it down. I, holding I, down the my, state. my money's on UCF. <laughs> so let's, who you, what games are you going to pay attention to next week? Well, throwing in the games of the week, we got Wake Forest and North Carolina. This is a pretty interesting game. They're both 2-0. and now, is Mac Brown going to get that third win versus the Wake Forest team, which should be interesting to see? What do you think? I'm going to I'm picking I'm picking North Carolina, you know. North Carolina won two games last year total. Uh, Mac Brown has already has two victories and I expect Mac Brown to get his third one next week. Next game we got up is Hawaii. They're coming to Washington, University of Washington to play the Huskies. Can the Rainbow Warriors go 3 and 0 versus the Pac-12? Not after that loss. There's no way Huskies lose two in a row. At home. At, especially at home. You know, Hawaii's finally going to lose their first Pac-12 game. But can the secondary keep up with a 52-53-54 pass uh, Cole McDonald? They're going to be passing the ball a lot. So is this going to be something we should worry about? Oh, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you should be worried. I think Washington has that one in the bag. Yeah, I agree. What's right, next? We got uh, Indiana versus Ohio State. Both teams are two and zero. Can Indy slow down Justin Fields? Can and can Indy score on that Ohio State defense? Let me save you some time. No, <laughs> Ohio State all the way in that one, huh? So we got Penn State and Pittsburgh. You know, this is just that in-state battle. Yeah. Penn State, they look good this year. You know, it's you know new transition with the new quarterback. So, uh, they Pitt may have a chance. You you never know. But I, I I think Penn State they they look more polished. This one's a fun one. Um, we got Tennessee uh, playing at Chattanooga. Ooh. Uh, will Tennessee get their first win? <laughs> we're we're on the Tennessee uh, win watch. You know, and it, 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 you would think this would be a joke, like we're trying to be funny, but we're serious. Like we want Tennessee to get this W, and they're playing Chattanooga. So is is Tennessee gonna get this W? Is Jeremy Pruitt gonna do it? You, you got that's gonna be my saying all year. You got <laughs> you gotta pick Tennessee. You have to. Yeah. Uh, uh, Temple uh, is playing Maryland. Our our team, you know, our new favorite team, Maryland, which has the the worst uniforms. Yeah. But you know, Maryland's put up a ton of points. So let's. let's Maybe that's how fun. they're winning is distracting people with those ugly uniforms. <laughs> oh, who who else we got? Yeah, we got a pretty good game. I think will be pretty decent. Is Stanford playing UCF? Uh, this can go either way. Stanford, you know, they didn't look too well with their backup quarterback. But uh, is if they can if Stanford can run the ball versus UCF, I can see them potentially getting a W. What do you think about that one? Well, I I think you know Stanford could get the W, but and I believe KJ Costello should be back. Which yeah, I guess it was a concussion. Should but, help yeah. him. I, you know, if I'm picking, I'm picking UCF. 
they, the way UCF plays the fast-style offense kind of does good against the slower power-run teams like this. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree because that's something that Stanford does really well is time of possession and holds the ball, runs it, takes their time. So this may hurt UCF in the long run where if you know they'll get quick three and outs, it may hurt them in the long run when it comes down to scoring points. Uh, we got Arizona State playing Michigan State. This should be a really good game. Second-year coach Herm Edwards uh, playing against Michigan State. So I think this should be a really good one. Who you got in that game? I, I believe Arizona State took got the victory last year, mm-hmm. if, if I'm correct. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to go Michigan State this year. Big Ten versus Pac-12 matchup. Big 12, or Pac-12 needs to step it up. Let's do this. I think I'm, I think I'm picking Michigan State. What about you? I'm going with Arizona State. Arizona State looks good, and Herm Edwards looks like he got his team polished and didn't take long for him to establish a good team and put that team together. But it's still early on, like we said. It's still week two, and let's see what type of team we got for uh, Arizona State. Another another game we like, an in-state battle. We got Iowa State and Iowa. Ooh, yeah, that's always going to be a hard-nosed battle. Uh, we got Purdy for Iowa State. Uh, quarterback, so this should be an interesting game. But you know that game's in-state rivals are always rivalries, always good games. Well, so you know, it's, I I always like these cross-conference matchups too. You know, Big Twelve, Big Ten. Yeah, it makes things fun, especially because the the styles kind of compete. Granted, uh, Iowa State is more. It, doesn't play necessarily Big Twelve offense esque all the time, but they you know they beat some Big Twelve teams. So yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, we also got Kentucky at home versus Florida. Kentucky won this game last year. Florida's going to want it really bad. Uh, bad news for Kentucky though is their their uh, starting starting QB Terry Wilson has to get an MRI. He got knocked out of the game last week. He's more than likely done. Yeah, Kentucky doesn't have Benny Snell, which helped them a lot last year to get that W. So I can see a newly. Uh polished florida getting the w versus kentucky uh, another game we have on here but should be a blowout as in my eyes is clemson playing syracuse now syracuse just got a big loss versus maryland can they bounce back and at least be competitive versus clemson you know a few years back with clemson and syracuse was always a big game in the acc clemson's kind of dominated yeah um, after that loss last week for Syracuse, you don't expect them to do much, but maybe they will get that bounce back. I mean, I'm obviously the money's going on Clemson. Definitely. Going back to the Pac-12, we got Chip Kelly and UCLA going against Oklahoma. Uh, can you think Chip Kelly is going to be able to score versus this Oklahoma defense? Maybe five. Maybe five? Uh, a safety and a field goal? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe five. You know, Oklahoma's probably just going to tear it up. Yeah, that's not even going to be a game. Sooner Boomer. Yeah. Going to just dominate. Uh, We got Purdue and TCU. You know, we really like Purdue. We like Rondell Moore. TCU and the Big 12, they're always – they got a great coach. Yeah, it's always competitive. So that's going to be a fun game. Um, Who are you guys playing? So this Friday, our Cougs are playing Houston, down in Houston, Cougars versus Cougars. Which one's going to outlast? You That's going to be a so, tough, tough game. Yeah, definitely. I think this will be our first real test for the Washington State Cougars. 
I just I just really want us to be competitive, you know, no matter what, because Houston definitely looks like a good team. And, you know, they got their first-year head coach there. And so they look polished versus Oklahoma their first game for the most part. So I can definitely see this being a tough game for my Cougs, but hopefully we can uh, polish it out and get the W. Who you guys got going? Uh, we're playing Southeast Louisiana. High school? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'd, I'd be really surprised if we don't get the victory. I'd probably cry a little Upset bit. alert? <laughs> no. Upset alert? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would imagine Ole Miss should have this one in the bank. You know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch and get get some backups in, see how the backups do. You know, I, I like games like this sometimes because you get to watch the younger kids get in, and you get to see the younger kids play, and you get to see your your team's future a little bit. Yeah, hopefully it gets to that point though. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Let's get into the uh, second year coaches hot seat topic we have, or segment we n- now have. Uh, so the coaches we have, go ahead. And, would you like to announce them? So we we have Willie Taggart on there from Florida State, Chip Kelly, UCLA, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. I think we had a new one. Who's the new guy? Uh, we got Chad Morris from Arkansas. Yeah, Chad Morris. He's he needs to step it up. He went. He went uh, two and whatever last year, didn't win an SEC game. Uh, Chances are he's not going to win an SEC game this year. Uh, So we'll see. You know, I think they'll give him time, but I I don't know. I don't know how much time. Yeah, definitely. Looking at the coaches, you know, the only coach who has a win right now is Willie Taggart. So, you know, it's... it's Oh, no, no. Chad Morris, they won their first game. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I stand corrected. They they played a tough game against Portland State and got a seven-point victory. Oh, okay, Portland State. Put them on the map, all right? (laughs) Proving my point. Uh, No, but definitely, I think it's, it's definitely a hot seat mostly for who? You know, I think the hottest seat on this list right now is Jeremy Pruitt. That Georgia State loss. Yeah, that was tough. Is... Just outrageous, and that's, but let me ask you this: What was a bigger loss, Georgia State or this week's game versus BYU? Yeah, uh, I would. I'm state that Georgia State one is burning in in players' minds. I understand minds. that, but do you think they needed this BYU win more? So, do you think this was a bigger loss for them than the Georgia State was? Because people could argue that, you know, they could say yes, yeah. they lost to Georgia State, but they needed this win much more than that Georgia State win. They well, they needed a win. Period. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, definitely, yeah. A win's you know keeps everyone happy, but you know, like like we said in the past, the SEC fans they're they're cutthroat, so it's a matter of you know wins keep people happy, and they don't care who you are. You know there was a time when Les Miles was on the well, he lost his job at LSU, and he he had winning records at LSU. But it's just interesting to see like the the yeah. outcome of how this is going to be for these coaches. It's it just blows my mind that, and I get it because we're talking about it that coaches could be on a hot seat year two. Yeah, it's it's we want instant gratification. You don't uh-huh. even have time to come in and build a program, which, you know, in all realis- realistically, these coaches will probably get more time to build their program. Yeah, and, and it's true because it is a different time also because they see coaches, you know, like uh, 
uh, Lincoln Riley and you know these other young coaches that come in and immediately do well. So when these other coaches come in and don't have the immediate success, they become frustrated. So especially with these coach, coaches with great reputations. So when they're not you know succeeding immediately, teams are going to get frustrated. Everybody knows that it's a process, but people don't want to wait that process. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's that's the hardest thing for most people to deal with is that yes, it's frustrating, but also at the same time, you got to be patient. The Cougs were horrible when you know the past few or few years before Leach came in. So it was just a matter of patience, but you know, it's, it's a turnaround team. So we can all, you can only go up, you know what I'm saying? Only up from here. Well, changing coaches every two years doesn't help. Doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah. And then eventually coaches don't want to play for you because you, you know, they're, they know they're not going to have time to build their program. Yeah. They'll be on such a short leash. Yeah. They'll definitely know that, you know, they, they won't have an opportunity to build a program. So definitely. But yeah, man, uh, excellent podcast, man. I think we went over a lot. We discussed a lot of the hot games this past week and the games this f- upcoming week. Yeah, so. and remember, if you want to make fun of Easton, hit us up on, on Twitter, CFB Pod Talk, or email us, collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com. Yeah, you guys can always make fun of Josh, too, in his, in his country-ass accent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Listening every week. Support, share, like. We're on Spotify and all those awesome other uh, podcast streams. Anything else you got, Josh? No, just you know, check us out. Hit us up. All right, peace.